At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. The Elevation with Stephen Furtick podcast was created with you in mind. This is a podcast for those feeling discouraged or needing guidance from God. Together in this podcast, we'll dive deep into scripture, uncover the powerful truths that will help you rise above your limitations and embrace your full potential. We're here to equip you with the tools you need to conquer life's challenges. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. Here are your hosts, Jonathan Von Tobel and Kelly Bidlin. All right, welcome in a, uh, another episode of Hardwood Handicappers. Uh, only one episode this week. Uh, that's this episode with Kelly Bidlin, who joins us here, as he usually does. We record these on Thursday nights, and uh, it is quite the Thursday night of NBA action. Just one game. Uh, Dallas Mavericks <laughs> in the Detroit Pistons, uh, and uh, Dallas currently down three points to the Detroit Pistons. Um, we'll talk about the Dallas Mavericks in a sense, because uh, we're going to discuss Luka Doncic because I'm sure, uh, because we will discuss MVP coming up in a little bit, as well as uh, one of the themes that I wanted to hit on, which was uh, water finding its level for some of these teams that everybody was like, Oh, they're going to make it to the playoffs. They're great. Settle down. There's a long season. There's a long season, but we begin this as we do every episode with the headlines of the week in the association. Hardwood headlines. All right, Kelly, first up, I actually wanted to get a really dramatic start to this show and tell you about what my week was because it was quite the dramatic week and chaotic, but I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you about my uh, middle-of-the-night emergency clinic visit with my small child who had croup. Uh, oh, Chris geez. Middleton. Oh, that was terrible. Uh, it was up from like 2 to 6 in the morning. It was it was, it was was great. I had fun. Oh, man. Is he okay? Uh, oh, yeah. He's he's alive. I, I feel like if he wasn't, I wouldn't be doing this with <laughs> he's you. He's alive. Okay. <laughs> I do. That I do answers always, the question fine. <laughs> I do always enjoy that question because like if, like Ben was like, t- I texted Ben Fox, our, our you know boss, our editor for the digital yeah. side earlier today. He's like, is he okay? I wanted to respond with, Ben, if he wasn't, you wouldn't be talking to me right now. <laughs> but no, I he's mean, doing good. I think there's different ranges to that. The one I always crack up about, it's like when uh, – it's like my I'll be visiting my my mother or something, and she'll be like, "All right, well, call, let me know when you land." And it's like, "Mom, believe me, if I don't land, no. you're you're gonna hear about it. You're gonna hear about." It. <laughs> I actually, that's a good point because I always think that invokes like some bad juju, like because like I I get that all the time, or like you know, recently I traveled a lot. Like I had like mm-hmm. I think like six flights in the last two and a half weeks. This actually yeah. might have been seven. Like I've been traveling a lot the last couple of weeks, right? Um, and like every time my wife was like. Please be safe. And I was like, I really don't have any control in that. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I don't have much control over that. <laughs> once we, uh, once this plane starts rolling, it's out of my hands. <laughs> <We're>... <laughs> uh, that's great. Good luck. All right. Chris Middleton. Uh, he's going to return on Friday for Milwaukee. This is big news for the Bucks. Uh, they had hit uh, not a skid, but a somewhat inconsistent stretch of play for Milwaukee. They got off to a really hot undefeated start. Uh, but since then, they've been playing 500 basketball for the most part. Uh, got the win over New York the other night to put the cap on what is now currently a three-game winning streak. But before that, they'd played five-of-five five basketball over the course of 10 games. 
So this is big for Milwaukee. I mean, this is the the biggest thing for the Bucks at this point was just health and consistency yeah. of availability. And now we're going to start to see this team fully formed. Drew Holiday had missed some time in that stretch of 500 play. Uh, what I find really interesting here, Kelly, is seeing this team fully formed and what they're going to look like in comparison to a Boston Celtics team, which I tried to step in front of the other night and absolutely Oof. just got steamrolled by their offense. Yeah. Um, but I'm very excited to see what Milwaukee looks like fully formed as we move forward here with Chris Middleton back. Yeah, I mean, I you know, jump in if you disagree, but I think it's uh, I think we expected the Bucks and Celtics to be the top two teams in yep. the East. At least I did entering the season. Um, and look, they've they've looked to the part so far, right? I, I, and I think what what you just said is big there. I think it's not just Middleton coming back for me. It's the fact that this whole team is kind of rounding into shape now, right? Like this is this is the team that we should expect to see throughout the majority of the season and pretty much every, every main contributor is healthy right now uh, for them as soon as, as Middleton comes back. And I think that's, they've had spots where when they have looked bad, I think over the past few weeks, you just kind of look at who's out on the floor and it's one of those, well, if Giannis isn't getting much help, you know what I mean? Giannis yep. and, you know, Brooke Lopez, who's had a heck of a season, um, you know, it just feels like he's not getting much help. So I think it's, yes, Middleton obviously coming back massive. Uh, he is a star in this league. Uh, but you just the, all the, all these guys being healthy and them having depth and, and us getting getting to see how they're going to utilize this depth. Um, you know, I think as far as minute distri- distribution between guys like uh, Grayson Allen, George Hill and Carter and Wara and, and Connaughton and stuff like that. And who's going to be, uh, you know, the first couple guys off the bench and stuff like that. that. That's what I'm looking forward to seeing over here over the next uh, next few weeks as these guys all get healthy and, and, and play together a few a uh, few games. Yeah, Javon Carter's been getting big minutes for them. And Javon Carter's not a bad player, but he's not going to be starting for this team uh, once they are fully formed. Um, and they still have waiting in the wings uh, by the time we get to a little bit later in the season, Joe Ingles recovering yeah, from that 20 ACL. So that's what, that's what I'm really, I actually thought, so to your point, you, you know, you said, stop me if I disagree with you. Uh, I don't like Milwaukee and Boston were the top two teams in the East for me. Uh, I actually, I thought the Joe Ingles signing was the sneaky, like awesome oh, signing yeah. of the off season, right? Like once he's fully healthy to have him, a team that really struggled to shoot the ball consistently outside of the main cogs um, in the postseason last year, once he's fully healthy, a smart team defender as well. Uh, he's going to be huge for them coming into the postseason, um, I, I think, think I team, think another guy that another quality guy to help run the, run the offense too. Right. I yes. mean, he, he is an underrated, you know, distributor, distributor, ball handler, all that stuff. So yeah, I, it, it's massive. Look, clearly I was, I was just getting excited about Middleton coming back and kind of seeing what we've already seen from Milwaukee, but you're right. Like Ingles being available will be, a, will be massive for them down the stretch. So that's why I thought coming into this year that uh, Milwaukee was the best team in the Eastern Conference fully realized once we yes. got to the end of the year. And me um, too. Having said that. <laughs> You're rethinking with Boston success too, so far. I mean, yeah. like, like just watching them and like part of me thinks. So here's and this is like so part of me thinks that the sustainability of the, the offense I do have like some questions about. Dude, they're shooting the ball like crazy. Like they're taking yeah. over 40% of their attempts from three. They're nearly shooting. I think they might, I'll double check. I think they're actually almost shooting 40% as a team. Um, like there's part of me that thinks like, ah, can they keep this up? But no, they can. Like they're deep enough. Their offense is great. They have guys, they have multiple creators on this roster uh, in terms of their offense. Um, and here's the thing. They clearly have a little bit of a weakness right now. Their defense has not been good. I think they're like 16th right now in non-garbage time defensive efficiency. Once Robert Williams comes back, that's going to be fixed. 
I, I am I'm very much considering like there's not much separating them in my ratings anyway when they're fully formed. But uh, man, Boston, yeah. Think about this: they take forty four. They take forty four point five percent of their shot attempts from beyond the arc. And they shoot 41.4% on those shots. Yeah, that's incredible. I, I mean, I think, I, think, I think, yes, we should expect that rate to drop a bit. But at the same time, you also, you just have guys. I mean, your two main stars can attack the rim at will. And they're two of yeah. the best in the league. And that, like, that's not going to stop, right? You know, it's kind of one of those things like you talk about with Giannis. It's, it's. Well, I don't need him to have consistency with a jump shot, really. You know, what, what he can do athletically as far as getting to the rim and, and attacking there and going to the free throw line, that's where he does his damage at. And, and sure, Brown and Tatum you know, put up a lot of threes, but I think as long as those guys are in attack mode, uh, it doesn't really matter. You put shooters around him, you want them trying to get to the rim and creating from there. Uh, you know, and I said it today, these guys, Tatum Brown, we had all the conversations over the years of can these guys play together? And now that they've matured and you see what kind of players they are as stars in this league, I mean, we're at the point, JVT, where like the Celtics, as long as they don't screw this up themselves, should be in the running for an Eastern Conference title every year for the next 10 years. I mean, as oh, long yeah. as there's not injuries, as long as you have those two guys together, you should always be able to build around them and you're going to be in contention. I, I think those, those two guys are that good and will be that good for, for the next 10 years. And the thing about Boston now recently, and uh, I mentioned, so I took I took nine and a half with Miami. And by the way, they play again coming up on Friday, which we'll yeah. get to a moment, you know, a little bit later in the pod as we look ahead to Friday. Uh, I would, and probably am, going to make that bet again, although we did see the, we've seen the market adjust. This thing's opening eight and a half, and I got nine and a half and it closed 10 once Jalen Brunson was uh, announced. But the crazy thing is, Kelly, uh, with Boston, as this, uh, this was a Chris Middleton story, but we've changed it into a conversation about Boston, which rightfully so, because Boston's been awesome. We haven't talked about it much on this podcast. Um, they're covering numbers and like they're covering big numbers. Oh, you know, yeah. I made, I made the argument uh, the reason, part of the reason why I bet Miami was just the number itself. They closed laying 11 against Charlotte and then laying 10 against Miami. There's not yeah. a one point difference between There's Charlotte not, and no. Miami. No I'd matter how big that, that Miami is. Right. Yeah. I'd make that bet a thousand times. And in fact, uh, there is not just a one and a half, or two, what is that? A two and a half point difference between Charlotte and Miami. I'm going to, it's the, uh, what's the goofy meme? I'll often do it again. You know what I mean? And, I, <laughs> and I'm going to do it again with Miami because just out of principle, that number's too big, barring anything injury wise. But like, look at the late 10 against Miami, strong end of the fourth quarter. They end up covering that. They have won five straight and covered five straight. The closing numbers, 10, 11, seven and a half, seven and a half, uh, five and a half against Dallas who uh, I would say it was only a 13-point deficit, but they smoked, and they were never really in doubt of losing that game. Their power rating is just going up, and they're still yeah. just covering numbers no problem, dude. It's nuts. Well, we, we've seen them. I mean, I, I don't know if they currently have it. I know as of like five days ago, they had set the the record right for highest offensive rating through whatever X number of games yep. in NBA history. I mean, that, that's what you're getting out of the Celtics these, these days right now. And uh, look, if there's... I think almost all the value from a betting standpoint as a side goes is sucked out of them by now, right? So I think like the only side you could really play in that game is Miami, like you're talking about. But I'm going to let you step in front of the freight train on that one. I'm staying away. <laughs> but Because you're right. That was a couple of days ago. They still obviously lead the league in offensive rating. To give people a sense of how good Boston has been, though, the gap between them and Bo uh, them and Denver, which is second right now in non-garbage time offensive efficiency, uh, is 4.9 points. That is the same gap between Denver and the 15th, 13th ranked team, Milwaukee. 
which is uh, 112.8. So you're talking about, uh, yeah, <laughs> about it's so nuts, man. They've been ridiculous. So they deserve props. And we'll actually get back to them too a little bit because, again, we're going to talk about MVP and uh, we do have a new favorite to win most valuable player. All right. So from there, so I stepped in front of that train. Uh, I also stepped uh, back onto the Minnesota Timberwolves train the other night. Uh, with, uh, without Carl Anthony Towns, the Minnesota Timberwolves played their first game against the Memphis Grizzlies and a, uh, a successful step onto the train. Memf- uh, Memphis uh, ended up losing in that game. The road struggles for Memphis, I think, are kind of real. We can talk about that in a moment. Um, but my thought process, Kelly, was I'm not sure. I don't want to say they're better, the Minnesota Timberwolves, without Carl Anthony Towns. But there is a case to be made that, and I wrote about this a little bit when I made the play the other day, which is you can make the case that the floor opens up a little bit more offensively for them without Carl Anthony Towns out there. And their defense not not gets better, although the defensive rating for them against Memphis was awesome. But think about who you put out there instead of Carl Anthony Towns. It was uh, Kyle Anderson. Yeah. So now you've got Kyle Anderson and Anthony defense. Edwards. Yep, two, uh, two really solid defenders out there with Rudy Gobert at center. All of a sudden, your starting lineup – has some real potential defensively. Not that Carl Anthony Towns is again as a sieve, but still that switchability, that's yeah. at the point of attack defense. I I don't hate the notion of kind of consistently supporting Minnesota without Carl Anthony Towns until the market kind of adjusted. That was the, the other part of it. Like Memphis opened up laying four on the road against Minnesota. They were laying four in Memphis like 12 days ago. It's a really extreme jump in terms of a rating there. But I like, do you... What would you make of that thought process moving forward here for Minnesota without Carl Anthony Towns? Because their schedule here again lightens up. OKC, Indiana, Utah, two games against Portland. It's part of a West Coast trip. Man. Clippers, Oklahoma City. It's not the hardest schedule in the world. <laughs> it really opens up. Yeah, those yeah. are definitely some winnable games. I, I, I think it's I think it's big they capitalize on those. I, I also think I, I think with you know adding Gobert and all these guys playing together now too. Not, not that Gobert is going to take up t- too many shots, but I, I think it does. Maybe it sim- uh, you know it simplifies things a bit for this team, just not having so many mouths to feed, right? Not so many so many guys you try to need to get X amount of shots a game and stuff like that. So yeah, maybe it does. Maybe it helps them adjust. But I think the bigger thing though is once he gets back, this team. I don't know. I, you know, you and I and a lot of people had high expectations for them, and you mm-hmm. you just really haven't seen it yet this year. I mean, it's kind of the one team as far as high expectations that I feel I've been the most off on for, you know, heading into the year. So, yeah, no, I'm with you. I think that there is going to be some market overreaction, especially these first few games. I think you I think they could be a bet on team right now. I'm with you on that one. But, yeah, I, I'm interested to see what this team's really going to look like when Cat gets back in there because right now they're a – like Memphis, Memphis is even a team that I didn't think I wasn't as high on as a lot of people heading into this season. And then like Morant though, is even playing better than I would have expected him to play. And I'm still not that high on that, on that team, especially with, especially with Desmond Payne out. Like, I think it's almost unfair to judge them uh, as a team right now, but um, man, yeah, no, I, to your point about Minnesota though. Yes. I think that think at least in the near future and especially against those teams you just listed, yeah, I think they're a bet on team. They they need to win those games, though. You know what I mean? Yeah. This is where you haven't gotten off to a great start. And even with Carl Anthony Towns out, you need to be able to get uh, to win a lot of those games you just listed. And one of the things that I think really sticks out about like what potentially could happen, and it's not like they were great um, in transition defensively against um, Memphis in that win, in that win over them. 
They were much better in terms of their half-court defense. They only gave up. How about this? Memphis offensive rating in the half-court against that new defensive-ish lineup, 64.9. It was terrible. They were awful in the half-court against Minnesota. Um, But the the factor that I was going to show was – you're not going to run on them as much. Like if, you know, watching some of the press conferences yeah. for them after some of these games um, and you look at some of the numbers, one of the things that stuck out and that they've talked about a lot, Chris Finch has talked about a lot is teams are like, all right, you guys are going to play big. Every time we rip off a rebound, we're sprinting. Yeah, we're, we're sprinting running. and we're going to force you to get back there and see if you can do it. And they've been kind of poor in transition defense. And again, they like ratings wise, they were kind of poor against Memphis. But I wonder how much better that gets without Carl Anthony Towns out there with Rudy Gobert. I think it does. I think it does. Again, I think, I, I think you know, eliminating him from the lineup right now, I, I think it just simplifies your roles, right? I think it makes everybody's role a little bit more obvious. And, like, and yeah, you don't get stuck in situations like that where you knew that was something they were going to have to figure out all season, having both those players on the court. Yep. Uh, and on the Memphis note, because I mentioned their road struggles, so there's a couple of things. First off, two eight and two against the spread on the road this season, the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, five and seven straight up. So they have not really been performing that well. And uh, they have closed. So let's see. I'm got bad at math. That's 12 road games. They have closed as the favorite eight times uh, in those games. So the market, yeah. again, you know what I mean? Really kind of first off home court for those. We haven't really brought it up a lot. Uh, it's ju- it's worth just over three points so far this year. It, it, we've seen is a that really what it's still big... coming out as. Yep. I remember you you dropped that on me, you know, two weeks ago or whenever we did this. I couldn't believe it was hovering around that three point. So yeah, no, it's been crazy. Like it's it's a full swing, like in the other direction from last year. Last year was yeah. barely over a point. Um, it depending on how you measured it out. This year though, it is just worth over three, and it has not really like started to climb back in the other direction. Uh, it's been nuts to see it, and in fact, you could really make the argument, Kelly. Um, like some people, I know Tom Byrne, who joins us regularly on this, um, who hosts Sirius XM, he's a really good mm-hmm. NBA capper. Oh, yeah. uh, he likes to use um, average non-garbage time net rating and adjust for pace. You can make the mm-hmm. argument it's actually worth nearly four points in Jeez. terms of home court. So if you do it that way. Um, but either way, so they've been clo- they've been laying numbers on the road in a season in which home court has meant something a little bit more. So that's something. And also, um, I kind of, I have a buddy who he doesn't necessarily make fun of me, I think, but he's always like, <laughs> like every time he brings up my, uh, my piece as a promotion, he's like, and you'll, you'll find in there every week that the, you know, the Memphis Grizzlies are, are not really good at defense. And I'm like, I mean, it's, I mean, that's kind of the case. They've gotten a little bit better. I don't know what you mean by that, but really it's just a team that's kind of barely been getting by uh, yeah. plus 2.3 net rating and non-garbage time, but they're laying points like almost every single night. I'll tell you, man, I, they've been a, I've definitely bet. I'm, I'm trying to think of how many bets I've even had on them this year. I don't even know if I've had a single one. If if I have, it's one or two, but I bet against them a few times. Yep. Yeah. If, if you go by cleaning the glass has a great, they actually track spread differential uh, relative to the Vegas spread, you know, essentially how they cover or how much they fail to cover by Memphis 22nd in the NBA right now, failing to cover on average by 1.7 points per game. So yeah. one of the more overvalued teams. Do you know who the worst team is in that regard? Oh, gosh, I have no idea. Um, Minnesota. Oh, yeah. OK, yeah, that makes Minnesota. Sense. Now, the real shocker is going to be the second worst. Who's the second worst by spread differential? Who's the second worst team in the NBA? I would think Golden State's up there. It's close. For, they're they're for third worst season. They're third worst. OK, Philly, San Antonio. 
San Antonio oh, yeah, 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 has yeah. just been getting <laughs> smoked. Just awful, man. It's it, just been awful. Well, at least they're, they're the only team doing this right, JVT. If we're yeah. talking about these Victor Webb and Yama sweep sweepstakes, we've seen all these other teams screwing it up like the Jazz and stuff. San Antonio has come out of the gates strong for the tanking effort, and they are they have not re uh, relented. They are tanking all the way. I love it. As I, uh, yeah, as I like to make my corny joke, um, they are getting smoked more than a blunt at a Willie Nelson concert. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I mean, I know we were going to talk. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. I don't even know. We were going to talk about it at the end. But one of the – I'm not saying it's a big bet tomorrow, but one of the shortest handicaps of my life was looking at the Pelicans laying seven tomorrow. And I'm just like, I, I'm just yeah. going to bet this. And tip of the cap, San Antonio, if you uh, actually cover a game. Because right now, you are just getting run out of the gym every single night. I mean, you're Good talking about, I'm looking at clearing the glass right now. For the month of November, you're, you're talking about 29th in offense and 30th in defense on points per 100 possessions. Like, this yep. team is just awful right now. And, and they're dealing with injuries. I mean, they're dealing with injuries to some of their most important players. So, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I saw that number. I'm like, seven, not high enough. That needed to be like eight and a half or more for me to not lay it. All right, last headline uh, to throw out our folks before we uh, take our first break. Um, and this we can know I spent a ton of time here, but Ben Simmons uh, injured, so he's going to miss some time. Doesn't look like it's a ton of time. Uh, it's called left knee soreness among some other ailments that he's been currently dealing with. So uh, we will see what's going to happen. But what I think is interesting here, and this is kind of something I've been pounding the uh, the drum about both in the piece every single day, brought it up on the column a couple of times. Uh, one of the angles that I have taken here a little bit is betting these points, rebounds, and assist props for Ben Simmons over. Uh, yeah. And in the six games prior to him getting injured, Kelly, uh, we're talking about 14 points, eight rebounds, and 6.7 assists per game on 80% shooting from the floor. Granted, these are all like high. Yeah, like they're high. <laughs> uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, they're, you know, they're high average shots. They're all around the rim. He's right, not really yeah. doing anything spacing the floor, but he's he's doing pretty well in terms of picking and choosing uh, his shots and his uh, opportunities, rebounding relatively well, just looking like a little bit more comfortable. And that's, I think, part of what's interesting about not only how he's been playing, but how I would kind of argue quietly important he's become for Brooklyn. Like he's their best defender still. Yeah. And if he's starting to look a little bit more like his old self, I mean, this is this is going to be interesting once he comes back and now Kyrie Irving's getting more comfortable. Just what this Brooklyn team really is going to be like. I don't know if they're going to be specifically a buy on team. They've been very inconsistent defensively, but they're just they're interesting to say the least. If Ben Simmons is going to look like old Ben Simmons. Well, and I think now that you have so once he gets back, like, like the rest of the team is kind of healthy right now. Right. Except right. except for my boy, uh, Watanabe, you, yep. you know, yeah, except for, except for him. Watanabe. Uh, but, uh, you know, except, except for, so as soon as you get Simmons back, but you got all your shooters are back healthy finally now. Right. So mm -hmm. and Kyrie's back, you got all the shooters. So I, I guess the, the one thing I've kind of disagreed since the beginning of the season with Brooklyn was just, I felt like they were going to rely on, on Ben Simmons too much. There was a lot of that coming into the year, right? Like talking about these different lineups, you were going to utilize them in. And I, I just think you need to look at him as more of a, uh, an important role player. And and I think that's fine. I mean, yeah. I, I mean, he's limited for what he can do offensively, but like you said, he's still the best defender that they can roll out there. Um, I, I just think, I think Brooklyn needs to be more concerned about the best ways to use him and not forcing using him. It just felt like a little, it was forced at the beginning of the season. And I think as he was able to, I, uh, you know, adjust, you know, adjust that role a little bit the past couple of weeks. I think that's why you saw some of the, some of the success he's had. And, and I think that's what they need to do going forward when he gets back healthy. 
Yeah, they're um, and what's going to be interesting is like what was supposed to be their best lineup uh, has not really panned out very well. That was Ben Simmons, Kyrie Irving, Royce O'Neal, Kevin Durant, and Nick Claxton. Um, right now, a negative three net rating. Uh, defense giving up 117.9 points per 100 possessions, but it's only we're talking about according to cleaning the glass 262 possessions, so just over two and a half games worth of a sample size for that it's just lineup. One of those, it's just one of those. I don't know how often you could have you can really have Claxton and Simmons on the on the court together, yeah, right? Like that, and that that's the interesting part about like what their roles are going to be. And if you look, it, like the interesting part is if you swap out Claxton for another shooter, whether it's Joe Harris or Seth Curry, you're talking about with Harris on the floor plus 2.8 net rating and a 128.2 offensive yep. rating. And uh, Seth Curry, plus 4.8 net rating, a 113 offensive rating, not very good, but their defense is actually much better, 108.5. So these are super small sample sizes. Uh, but I think ultimately the takeaway would be, to your point, Nick, Nick Claxton and Ben Simmons on the floor together, maybe not so much. But like yeah. Ben Simmons is essentially your five with any of like, you know, four other shooters on the floor. It might be pretty. It might be something that uh, Jacques Vaughn and the Brooklyn Nets want to look a little bit more at. Yeah, I think it just it depends matchup to matchup night to night, right? It, you're playing a bigger team, you're going to roll Claxton out there more. You're playing a smaller team that you can go small against. Will Simmons out there at the five? I, I yeah. like that, but otherwise it needs to be Kyrie, KD surrounded by shooters. Yeah, the uh, with Ben Simmons and Nick Claxton on the floor together, just uh, on the floor, any sort of lineup, a negative nine point two net rating for Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, just doesn't. Doesn't really work out very well. Uh, all right, let's take our break here. On the other side, uh, first off, let's dive into most valuable player. We have a new favorite for the award, I think rightfully so. Uh, I made a bet in the market. Kelly made a bet in the market. Yeah. So we'll pick a, uh, we'll pick uh, each other's uh, bets apart, see if we agree or disagree. And uh, we'll talk about the hot candidate for the award that is not named Jason Tatum. Are you ready to become a winning sports better? Schedule a call with SBIA to find out how their service can make you a long-term winning player. They've developed an innovative algorithm that maximizes units return, and they are so confident in their system that they offer a money-back guarantee. Sign up by October 31st and get their NBA package at no cost until they reach 10 net units. They treat sports betting like a business. So if you want to learn how to make your sports betting dreams a reality, visit them at SBIA1.com and check them out on social media at SBIA Sports. All right, coming back here on Hardwood Handicappers. The most valuable player race, one that gets talked about a little bit too much because, as I have said before, Kelly, uh, really, I hate to, it's not gatekeepy, but, like, MVP is easy to talk about for people who don't follow the league, so it gets talked about a lot, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, it's very much it. Like, by the time we get to my, you know, my tenure on VEASAN when we're talking about, like, February and, I, and I'm doing a whole bunch of hits on shows because the NFL is over – every single hit is going to be talking about MVP. Yeah, you so, are worn out talking about yes, it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I, I kind of want to be like, guys, just take my answer on a numbers game and uh, just play that clip. Right? <laughs> just so play that over and over again. Yeah. So, <laughs> no, I hear you. So and, and, for, Tatum, and for me, yeah. too, it's it's one of those, as long as he's healthy, this award could go to Giannis Antetokounmpo every single year. So, yeah. like, it's, it's – hey, to me, I, I think I'm more bullish on that than most, but this is this is like the Shohei Otani award to me. It's like it's – like, as long as those guys are healthy, like, they're, they're, they are the answer to who is the most valuable player. We're just getting cute beyond that. Yeah, well, it's we interesting just We just don't want to give the award to the same guy every year, basically. Zach Lowe and Kevin Pelton, both uh, MVP voters, released uh, – like, they had a podcast, I want to say, a week ago, did yeah. their top five candidates – Pelton did not have Giannis in his top five, and Zach Lowe had him five, I think, yeah. or four, one I of the two. That's insane. That's um, insane. I, yeah, mean, look, I mean, look, the, way, the, the, 
the level that Jason Tatum and Luka Doncic are playing at right now, of, of, like, of course, they've had incredible starts to the season. I think they deserve to be where they're at. But you're talking about Tatum plus 260 over DraftKings right now, Doncic plus 260, Giannis plus 280. Works for me. All three of those guys, I think, belong yeah. in the right, right in the same class to, together. Yeah, so that's the that was the uh, the the headline is Tatum, of course, is the he- the new favorite to win Most Valuable Player, coming off of a performance in which he dropped 49 points on my Miami Heat, uh, 15 to 25 <laughs> from the floor. Uh, he was a ridiculous eight of 12 from three point range. It was one of those games where every time he rose from the floor, uh, like you know, Lazarus from the tomb, I'm like, it's going in. And sure yeah. enough, and more often than not, it was going in. But not only just 49 points, but 11 rebounds. Uh, Tatum's been incredible this year. He is the best player on the best team right now, uh, which is a very, you know, the the casual bar to cross on the year. 31.6 points per game, second in the NBA in scoring, mm-hmm. 7.8 rebounds, 4.5 assists. Um, there's really nothing else to mince words about about how good Tatum has been. And uh, might I add, not something I bet, but uh, in the uh, guide, my MVP pick, Jason Tatum. So I might, oh, might look it on something. Yeah, there you go. Um, that means nothing. So I guess, <laughs> really, we don't need to focus too much on Tatum. I think you and yeah. I both agree. Like, get, given his portfolio right now, he has scored over 30 points in four straight games. He's been unreal. And uh, this team continues to win. Not surprising. So with do that. You agree, yeah. Do you agree? I know we got a couple bets we're going to get to. Uh, do you agree that Luka Doncic, especially at this kind of number, is just unbettable? Because I, yes. like, I think so. I mean, they're not going to win enough games. That's the they're, they're not going to win enough games. Um, I know he's not getting a ton of help around him right now, but that's kind of allowing him to put up even more of these numbers, right? So, like, I, I yeah, I I just think that's a bet. I kind of warned warned people. Like, I love Luca too. Like, Luca is Luca is about as good as it gets in the NBA. He's right up there with everybody else, but it's it's just about the team around him, and I, that's what I keep trying to just keep trying to impart to people. Where look, I think Tatum. And Nakuba are in this race for the entire year. I don't think Luka Doncic is. No, and here's the problem: like, if if the team was better, obviously yes. But the other thing that I think worries you, Kelly, a usage rate of forty two point three percent. His fourth consecutive year having a usage rate over forty. His second year where he's had a usage rate over forty two percent. And if you're going to ask, like, oh, who cares about that? What does that mean? Uh, for those for context, James Harden in his Houston years surpassed forty percent. Just twice, and it was yeah. barely, barely over forty percent. So the workload for him is immense. He's averaging thirty-seven and a half minutes per game. Like that's kind of worrisome. Like yes. in terms of his availability, um, his numbers are great, but it does worry you that he maybe gets run down here as the season progresses. Even though he is young, that would also worry me. On top of the team just not being very good. I mean, and they're yeah, they're playing what five hundred basketball right now, and then and then what happens if when you know when I don't even want to say if you know when Luca tweaks an ankle or whatever, right? And then he yeah. goes out, and you're going to lose a bunch of games probably more because they really don't have that guy to you know to step in and and, and pick up the scoring load. Um, yeah, again, I just think at the end of the year when you're looking through these resumes, you're going to see him on a. 500 or slightly better ball club. And I just don't think you can really consider him with, with some of these other guys we got in the league, but I right. know you added a bet. Tell me about it and why you like it so much. Um, so I bet Steph Curry at 10 to one uh, to yeah. win most valuable player. And uh, I hear your yep. So I think it is uh, somewhat self-explanatory for the way that Curry has been playing. Uh, but to run through what he's done so far this year, 
some of the metrics for Stephen Curry when he is out there on the floor. Yeah, he's been absolutely tremendous. Uh, but points per shot. How about this? Uh, points per shot attempt, which is a metric for cleaning the glass. It's total points scored per 100 shot attempts. It includes field goal attempts, the trips to the line, uh, including when fouled in the bonus, all these things. 142.1 would by far be his career high uh, by a mile. Like his next career high was 136. He's been absolutely insane with his efficiency this year. Um, his scoring and just his traditional metrics in terms of his scoring, about 30 points per game. Uh, he has been, in terms of plus minus, one of the most valuable players for his respective team. When he is on the floor, according to Cleaning the Glass, he improves his team's net rating. How about this? By 27.7 points per 100 possessions. Jeez. Now, that speaks to how bad this bench has been for them. Uh, <laughs> right, but he's yeah. been, he has been unreal when he is out there on the floor. Uh, his workload is immense, and he's not really backing down in terms of playing back-to-backs or things like that. I still think this team is going to be top five, four seed in the Western Conference. They're yep. starting to find their form uh, a little bit here at this point right now. But at 10-1, to 1, for a guy who's been playing at that level, who is going to be on a team that I think is going to seed properly, and what I mean by that is be in a spot where they're going to win enough games that the uh, voters are going to um, they're going to care and we're talking about 31-7-7, essentially, for Curry at this point right now. I thought ten, double digits was. I'm like, I'm snatching that up. I'd rather yeah. be sitting on 10-1 to 1 when he's a top-two candidate in like two months, right? Right. Then miss out on it. So, and I think when we just evaluate, like you said, we're, me and you are both going to be sick about t- talking about this market a few months from now like, like crazy because everybody's going to be asking us about it. But I think if we... If you and I feel as strongly as we do about, you know, Tatum and Giannis, right? I think they're going to be up there on the odds board pretty much all, all season long. So, you know, I, I think this is, I always try to tell people t- tell people this with NBA betting and futures that I add throughout the year. What you're always looking to do is try to buy at a low point, right? Try to buy at a dip on a dip on a guy. And that's kind of what you're doing with Steph right now. And I think you're buying on at the right time. I, I don't I don't mind that one at all. Um, I like it. I think if we take a walk down narrative street too, like the you know voters would be tripping over themselves at an opportunity to give oh, another yeah. MVP to Steph Curry. Like, are you kidding me? Um, and that's kind of what the one bet I made recently in this market, kind of along those same lines was, yeah, I'm sitting there, I'm kind of looking through some stats, you know, and looking through odds and stuff and seeing Kevin Durant hover around 25 to one. And I find him at a shop here in town in Vegas, 30 to one. I'm like 30 to one. And I'm going to throw out one number to you, JVT. This is right now, if the season ended today, this would be Kevin Durant's second best scoring season of his career. So we're talking about him putting up these kind of numbers. And, and yes, I bet this about six days ago, seven days ago. I mean, his past games, it's been 39 points, 45 points, 31 points, 36 points. I just think buying on these guys at low points at numbers that you might never see again is what you're trying to do when you're betting this stuff during the season. I think you might have done that with Steph. I think I'm hoping I did that with Durant too. I love having a 30 to one in my pocket with him. And I think that I think that a lot of people are, are, or you know, when we start talking about these voters and the narrative behind a guy like Durant, I think he's going to escape a lot of the criticism that maybe he deserves with how much power he's had with this team. I think they're going to look, we're going to look at the end of the year and you're going to think, well, this team had to go through a coaching change. The second best player missed time. And and Durant was the guy who was able to rally the team through it and, 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 and take them through the playoffs and yada, yada, yada. Right. And I think, I think yeah. that's how people are going to look at him. Um, and you know, I think they're an easy team to hate, but I think he's the one guy that's going to get some love out of this, uh, from this team as the season goes on. So 
when I just look at that right now, and I think Kevin Durant, the greatness that he is, having the second best scoring season of his career, yeah, I'll take a piece. I'll take a piece of thirty to one and add it to my portfolio for the year. Yeah, no, I don't. I at thirty to one. I don't really hate it. I texted Mitch like a week ago, two weeks ago. Mitch Moss, we'll have to get on yeah. the podcast talk about it. Yeah, definitely. He, he talks about the or he talks about the NBA with me quite a bit. Although he watches show, and he doesn't really talk about it. So I don't know. It's like a it's like a secret thing, I guess. Uh, <laughs> he's like he doesn't want to let people know. He's like, I don't really like it that much. Um, <laughs> No, I, I texted him about a week and a half ago, and I was like, um, because he has this thing. Like he texts, I don't know what question he asked me. He goes, gut reaction. What do you think about this? So I texted him, gut reaction, Kevin Durant for MVP. Yeah. And he was like, ah, I'd want more than like, I think at that time he actually was still pretty high. I think he was like 18-ish to one or something like okay. that, at the best price out there. And that's kind of what he's at right now. Yeah, and, and so like he was like, I'd want like 50 to one. And like, I don't disagree. Like, I, I agree with you. Like, I do wonder, here's my thing. I don't, what, I don't think you're ever going to see 50, 5 I don't think you're ever going to see that either. Yeah. Um, but here's my thing, and because I agree with you in general with the thought of Kevin Durant, what he's done this year, all that kind of stuff. I'll take you back two years ago. Remember when I was really high on my James Harden MVP train, and yeah. nobody will ever disagree. Nobody will ever talk me out of it. If you watch what he did for Brooklyn when he got there that first season, he was incredible. He was the reason why that they were still at the top of the conference. He was old James Harden. Even when Kyrie came back, he he went back to being like a facilitator, but still assist numbers were great. Scoring numbers were great. Fourth quarter numbers were awesome. Um, but the thing that really irritated me and bringing it up to media members and others in NBA circles who had votes in interviews was, I don't like what he, how he left Houston. And my response was, I don't care. I don't care if you don't yeah, like it. It shouldn't matter. He, yeah. He's a most valuable player. And I and that would be my worry for you is I think there are some people who will be able to look past that, but there are going to be a few others who are going to be like, yeah, you know what? He did overcome a coaching decision of his own design. And I yeah. think those those people are stupid. I think that those kind of things should not matter. I think if you're going to be an MVP, it should matter what you do on the court as opposed to the drama that you have like brought onto your franchise. And if he's going to average like – 30 and whatever it is now, right? Seven, like yeah. in terms of rebounding, we'll say on insanely efficient shooting. And they're a four seed in the Eastern conference. He should, he should get the votes that he deserves. See that. And you're right. I'm sure a couple of people will have that opinion. And, and look, I'm placing this bet. You said four seed in my mind. He's they've got to be even better than that. It, yeah. It's got to be three seed, maybe even cracking that top two for him to get real consideration here. So yeah, I know even knowing all of that and thinking all that, I still like the bet at 30 to one. I think if you shop around out there, um, you know, I'm just looking at DraftKings right now. He's 18 to one over at DraftKings, but shop around. I bet you can still find something in the twenties. I think it's still a good bet. Yeah. You know, and just like you're Steph too. I think you can find something right around the number you got him at still. I think it's still a good bet. Uh, by the way, just pointing out that uh, my Detroit Pistons, I say that because I bet them over their win total, uh, just got their sixth win of the year, beating the Dallas Mavericks in overtime. Yeah. Uh, again, dude, and this is this is actually great, too, because I have an under on Dallas in terms of their win total. So these are two, three, this is this is a twofer for me. There you go. Just win total wagers. Uh, and my, by the my, way, my win totals are looking sick right now. It's been, it's been one of those two where I'm like, I, I go to look at them like every like couple days because yeah. I'm like, oh, these look so good right now. Like I've got the, uh, so what I got, Bulls alt under 37 and a half wins at plus 250. Yeah. Kings alt over 36 and a half at two to one. Now the Timberwolves alt over 51 and a half, not looking so great. Yeah. Uh, but then I got Pelicans over 45 and a half Hornets under 34 and a half. That's my whole win total portfolio. That's, so it's four to five looking pretty damn good. 
I was getting crap the other day about like, you know, like I was, they were called my beloved Timberwolves. Right. And how high on, and I was like, yeah, you're right. I was wrong about that. But you know what else I have? I've got under Dallas 48 and a half. I've got under Memphis 50 and a half. I've got under, like, I've got well, under Miami heat. I've got a lot of other stuff in work here. Right, you're friend. looking dang good there. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the one, the ones like, I like the, I mean, these, these, the, the alt, the alt win totals. I mean, gosh, like I, I yeah. wish more and more of these books have these up because that was the one where I'm like, okay, Timberwolves, I think they're going to be good. But the one was, I don't want to play over their regular win total. I want to play over their alt win total right. because I'm either going to be like really right on this team or they're just going to kind of be the Timberwolves again with like not knowing how to utilize some of these pieces, right? Which yeah, is kind of what they've looked like some more so far than the world beaters we thought they were going to be. But hey, long season to go. I'm gonna have to. Uh, I'm gonna have to start tracking these win totals now. I mean, I'm tracking mine, but I always do every year my like win total doc that I like post that people seem to like the after every day updated uh, okay. wins and losses for win totals. Uh, I'm gonna have to start keeping track because I don't think looking at this right now. Oh, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna have to start doing this. You want to know why? Because teams like the uh, Pacers and the Jazz who got off the Jazz, their closing win total, they're just 11 wins away from cashing already. <laughs> That's win incredible because they closed 23 and a half. That's amazing. It's it's nuts. Uh, All right, real quick, you mentioned uh, the Chicago uh, Bulls. What did what did it close? Twenty three and a half. So you're at forty and a half right now. Like these are teams too. Like this is something I should probably be looking at more of betting these win totals now in season, right? I mean, like the Jazz at forty and a half. Oh, Uh, so that sorry, that reminds me too. This is the other thing that actually I still might be able to get in on this. There are times where I look at something and I'm like, oh, I got to mark that. I'll come back to that, and I completely forget. Circa had. No jazz playoffs at like minus one thirty. Oh my gosh! Is yeah, like, be- like, right. Like recently? Yeah. Oh, well, it was like within the last like five days. Okay, good. I- I'm so looking right I now. Can I'm write pull that down right app. now to bet that. If uh, well, well, I'll tell you right now what exactly it is. But like, yeah, dude, these ah oh, man, they don't have them up yet right now. So we'll have to look okay. to see because the game, the games, the game. Imagine we'll have pulling to wait up later. all your futures for one game today. We'll have to look later and. Uh, Hopefully it's before everybody listens to this podcast. It goes running right. like the same thing. <laughs> the um, Also, just worth pointing out, and I don't know if you had any thoughts on this, because I brought him up and talked about him at length, I want to say two weeks ago or so. Um, this is not a, I was right, uh, but it was worth pointing out. Devin Booker, 51 points against the Chicago Man. Bulls uh, the yeah. other night. He was, Kelly, 50 to 1 to win MVP a couple of weeks back. That's when we had the podcast episode here. Uh, mentioned adding him to the MVP portfolio, which I did at that time. And uh, he is now down to like 20 to one. So I'm not sure how realistic it is, but it is worth pointing out. Chris Paul has not played. Cam Johnson has not played. This team is still the one seed in the Western Conference. And while they're much worse defensively without Chris Paul, uh, he's been awesome. And yeah, he had 51 on 20 and 25 shooting. He is, uh, and he's one of those where very quietly last year, a lot of people were like, well, Devin Booker should be winning MVP. Yeah. He, he's going to garner a lot of sympathy because of that and because of what's happening with Phoenix. Um, that's just, it's a name to keep an eye on. And I would even say, to be quite honest with you, given the landscape, I would not say no to anybody who has not gotten involved yet at like 20 to one. I, I wouldn't either. I mean, look, he's a premier scorer in the NBA. I, I don't, this is going to sound, this is going to sound so bad. I just think that, I think that having Chris Paul there, and you're right, what he's doing without Paul, no Cam Johnson there is huge. But I think when you have Paul and Aiton on the team, for whatever reason, it just feels like the past couple of years, he doesn't get the the deserved love right. that he should, right? And I just I don't know why that it went, you know when Paul gets back, I just don't know if, why I should believe that's not going to continue yet. 
So that that's the only reason why I wouldn't be betting on him. But I'm with you. Around that number, he's a perfectly fair bet. I, I would say this year is the best year for it. I, by the way, because this surprised me when he got injured looking it up because I didn't know off the top of my head. You know how many points per game Chris Paul is averaging this year? Uh, I don't know, like 14? Nine. <laughs> okay, like yeah, he's been, he's stunk. He has yeah, stunk no, he was. He, he, you know he was I mean? off to a rough start. Yeah, he was and, and off so to I, a rough start. I wonder if this might be the year. So right now, DraftKings does have this up. What would be the price that you would lay up to no, on the no Utah Jazz to make the playoffs? Uh, not over two dollars. It's exactly yeah, two. Yeah, yeah I, I think yeah, I, I would bet it still then. Yeah, I, I think that is a, a playable price, and we'll see when everybody else hangs up their markets. Uh, we'll see if there's something else to play there. All right, MVP conversation to the side. Uh, the, these are I wanted to go to uh, let's let's play our game really quickly if we could as we talk about uh, whether things are sustainable or not and something that we like to call trends or trash. We'll kind of like lump these teams in together. I you know it's funny I always like doing my hits because I always look to the camera to see you and I always like will Kelly give me a nod of approval on this take and if it's <laughs> if I get a nod of approval uh, then then of course I, I feel better about my take. Uh, I always, and, I always tell people like people that know me, like you that come on the shows. It's always like, uh, whatever I say into the microphone might be one thing. I am so bad at lying with my eyes and facial expression. So yeah, yeah it's always one of those like, yeah, if I agree or disagree with something, like, and I know the guests can always see me on Skype. I'm like, they're, they're knowing exactly what I'm thinking about what they just said immediately. And the, <laughs> so it's uh, funny the, you brought that up. <laughs> the last time, uh, the last time I was on with Gil, the nod of approval that I got was when I brought up, and this is kind of the theme that I wanted for this trend or trash. I've lumped them all together, but you know, at the, the first couple of weeks of the season, I still get this now. I was like, "Hey, Utah, Portland, Indiana, you know, are these teams yeah. going to keep this thing up?" And I would kind of my thought was like, "No, like not really. Like they're off the hot starts. Like there's some clear flaws to these teams. They're they're going to start to regress, and it kind of ties into what we're talking about here with Utah and this price to not make the playoffs." Um, Utah has, they came back against the Clippers the other day. They were down at halftime and they came back and won that game. Uh, but this is still a team that before that win over the uh, Clippers, they were two and eight straight up. Uh, I think it was three and seven against the spread in the eight games prior to that victory. Uh, second worst defensive team in the NBA. Their offense is fine. Still very good. Uh, in fact, you know, I bet against them. I was, it's funny. So how about this? You like this scenario? I, I bet Chicago on Monday, right? But I had to fly to Fresno to go pick up my family and then drive them back. So all in one day, <laughs> I flew to Fresno, that. stayed there for an hour, and then got in the car and then drove my family six hours back home. Good and times. It, right, it was fantastic. <laughs> so what I did to keep myself awake at that, you know, during the night drive and at the beginning of it, I listened to the entirety of a basketball game on the radio. I listened <laughs> I to Bulls so long, <laughs> dude. I listened to Bulls jazz, like the Bulls radio feed, the entire way. Uh, it was oh, quite the great. experience uh, from beginning <laughs> to end. But I bring that up because part of the reason why I played against them was I think this team's slide is for real. I yeah. think against some better offensive opponents like Chicago does have the tendency to be better offensively and a good rebounding team, which I think is really big against yes. Utah. If you can yeah. rebound well, it's massive. That's this what is I've a team, been targeting right? Yeah, yep, and, it's good rebounding teams. And, yep. and look against, I mean, look at some of the opponents that they have lost to too. It, it kind of it speaks to that. But this slide for Utah is real. They're going to start to look more and more like the team that we expected them to be at the beginning of this season. They're going to sell off pieces, it would seem, by the time we get to the trade deadline, because there's a couple of guys on this roster they can get first-round picks for still um, that are role players for them. Uh, you have to. There's too, there's too many yep. good role play, like, good players that would be good role players on, on winning teams out there. Like You have to get rid of some of these yep. guys. So, and that's kind of the trend of trash here. I wanted to lump them all together, but Utah 
has been starting to slide. Portland has not had Damian Lillard, but still, I think that this is real. Damian Lillard is going to make them a better offensive team. But Portland comes into, as we talk about this, they go into Friday one and seven straight up, two and uh, I think we've I've got them at uh, two and six or two and seven against the spread in their last nine, whatever it is. They have not been playing good basketball. They are now eleven and eleven, five hundred, and uh, losing some basketball games. And the Indiana Pacers, who are Starting to, they're a little bit more consistent than the others, but still 12 and nine now have not strung together consecutive wins over the last five games. So, trend or trash, these three teams that we're discussing here are falling back down to earth despite surprising starts. Jazz, Pacers, trend, absolutely. We've been talking about it. I completely agree, and I, I think they'll continue to slide. Uh, Portland, I'm, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say trend or trash. I, I think, look, I think they're a team that's going to be. I think they are who I thought they were at the beginning of the season. I think they're right on that kind of play-in area, and I think they're going to be there the whole year. I do think there's enough talent here uh, to to keep them in that playoff chase. Um, but, you know, I think obviously, like you said, Dame, Dame being out right now, that's a major injury for them. So they're a team that's been tough because they've been a very over the past, if you over the past I think if you took over the past three or four years of my NBA betting I, I would bet you Portland is top three top five of teams I've bet on yeah. I feel like I've I've done almost nothing with them either bet on or against them this year because I wanted to see what they were going to look like um, you know really with Jeremy Grant in there and how are Simons and Lillard going to play together uh, now with Lillard on the bench he, he, you know it obviously sets them back a bit but I. I'm not going to overreact one way or the other way with that team. I didn't overreact to the hot start. I, you know, I, I knew that was not, they weren't going to be quite that good the whole season, but I'm also not going to overreact if they drop some games here uh, with Lillard out. I think this is a team that's still going to be pushing for a, for a playoff uh, p- uh, appearance here. I think that's fair. I think when you're talking about the best player on the team, not being available, uh, I would not want to commit to any uh, projections for that team than what they have shown us. Um, yeah. But I, I'll say what I'm interested in, and this is something I brought up before in writing about them, was just the fact that uh, th- their numbers offensively have not been great with Lillard on the floor. And obviously with him off the floor, they've been much worse. So you wonder, you know, he'll make them better, how much better. But they're still, I think they should still be a top 10 seed in the West. Me, especially, me right? And especially once some of these teams like a Utah drops out of the top 10, which is going to happen eventually. Exactly. And, and, and I mean, the one thing you can look at, and I just want to pull it up to make sure I'm not talking complete nonsense, but you know, Jeremy Grant, right? Like he's, he's having a good year. Like you, we, oh, dude, he had like, he had some stretch of, I think his last three games, I'll pull it up. Keep going. Yeah. Like me and you talked about this, like, you know, a month ago or whatever. And that was one of the big things I remember you pointing out. It was, well, you're going to get Jeremy Grant from a few years ago, you know, where he was really good. You know, really co- good coming off the bench for Denver, and you know, and then kind of those first, the, those uh, that first year in Detroit. Are you going to get that, or are you, or are you, are you going to get Jeremy Grant, who kind of just disappears in this offense, and you haven't seen that, right? This really has been an aggressive Jeremy Grant wow. uh, playing offensively this year, and they're getting a lot out of him right now. And if you continue to get that kind of contribution from him, yeah, I think this team can be dangerous. So he had he has scored twenty plus points in five straight games. Um, his scoring outputs, 21, 44, 29, 32, and 27. And I, I forgot about this. This is, was, this is my favorite stat of the night. So last Friday, I see a tweet, and it was like, I cannot believe, I think it was Law Murray who covers the Clippers for the Athletic, and he's like, I cannot believe a man today got to the free throw line 28 times. And I'm like going through box scores because I wasn't going to look it up. I'm like, yeah, all right, yeah. I want to be surprised. So yeah. I'm going through box scores, box scores, box score, and yeah. then I get to the Portland one. 
Jeremy Grant in that overtime win over the Knicks that day, 21 to 28 at the free throw line. I was like, holy <laughs> crap, dude. But you're right. So he's been good. Um, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. So, all right. I'm glad we agree. I'm glad we pretty much agree on yeah. the, the trend or trash. All right. Uh, I also brought this up. I don't think this is worth spending a ton of time on. I think it's just worth pointing out. So the Nuggets, 4-0 straight up and against the spread in the last four games. It's pretty much since Jokic and Murray have come back from uh, COVID protocol and their absences. Um, and I just think what's interesting about this, not really much, hey, let's let's start betting on the, the Nuggets, although they uh, might be worth it because I think yeah, offensively they're pretty good. Um, very quietly, one of the t- – I think – I want to go back to the NBA guy. I have it on my desktop. I'll pull it up really quickly. I, I, I want to say I picked the Nuggets to be the one seed in the Western Conference. I think I did too. <laughs> I I mean, Kelly, they're one game behind Phoenix for the one seed in the West. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I was just going to ask you, let's say, okay, just – uh, what, what do you, and let's, let's take into account guys that are injured right now. Cause you know, Michael Porter Jr. Obviously missing time right you, now. By the way, really quickly, you, me and Mitch all picked the nuggets as the one seed in the West. We did. Okay. Yep. There you go. There we go. So power rank the Western conference top, let's say top three, right. Of what you think they'll be at the end of the season. The seating or like what the best teams just generally what, have actual out. best teams, not seating, take seating out of it. Oh, okay. The best teams I want, I'm going to be stubborn. So I'm going to say the Clippers, the Warriors and the Nuggets. It has to, my point though, is it has to be those three, right? Right. Or or to me, it's obviously those three. Any order. I think think you can almost put them in any order and it it doesn't matter. I think I would probably go, uh, I think I would probably go Clippers and then Nuggets, then Warriors. I don't know if that's exactly what you just said. I think that's what I'd go to, but I think any order you could mix those in. Right. And I think those are your three best Western Conference teams. And that's, I mean, I mean, look, I think it's a lot of people might say, whoa, you guys are ignoring the Phoenix Suns out there. But yes, I, yeah, yeah, I am. And no, I, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. I, I'm, I don't think they are. I don't think they belong with those, with those other three teams. Well, I just really quickly, before we get to Friday, to, to that point, yes, I'm ignoring them. You want to know why? Because their team is structurally the same as it has been the last two years, which yep. means their team has structurally the same weaknesses it has had yep. the last two years. Same limitations. They, yep. they don't get to the free throw line. They have trouble with big wings. All of those things remain the same, which has eliminated them in the last two seasons. So, yes, I am ignoring Phoenix because they are the same team, and thus I think that their weaknesses will limit them in winning a championship. So, And, by the way, if you're screaming at whatever you're listening on, saying the Clippers might stink – I'm open to that conversation, but I'm also stubborn in the fact that I think that health will ultimately win out. These guys will be fine. And that the team that I saw that made me write that glorious piece of the Clippers are the best team in the Western Conference when they were down 3-2 to the Dallas Mavericks, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. I think that team is still there, and uh, we'll see. By the way, Norm Powell the other night, I'm just saying, 22 points in the fourth quarter to beat Portland. Just, yeah, just man, saying. we need him to pick it up. But th- yes, that is, I'm with, I'm with you if if – if you, I know it's a big if. Everybody out there is listening is going to say it's a big if. But if you can have those two guys healthy, Kawhi and, yep. and Paul George, if you have them healthy, this team is just, they're built how a team needs to be built in the NBA to win a championship these days to me. It's, it's, it always used to be about the big three, right? No, it's about the big two and then loading your, the loading your rest of your roster up to have a solid eight deep. Uh, rotation of really good players. And that's what they have. I mean, they're stacked depth wise. We talk about Norm Powell. We kind of joke about him, but no, he's a great player to be able to bring off the bench. And they have other guys like that. So I just think once you get into the playoffs and those benches shorten, 
that those guys just have eight guys they can run out at you every night that both both offensively and defensively are going to cause havoc for whatever you want to try to do. All right, we move on to Friday. Uh, I'm going to have a big written piece on this, so I won't spend a ton of time here. Uh, so I'll give you the floor. It's not the best slate of games. There's some highlights on the day, though. Uh, what do you got? Yeah, it's uh, it's very chalky for me. I actually put in bets on three games already, JVT. Uh, I'm gonna. I already mentioned one. Pelicans. I'm just laying the points yeah. on the road against the Spurs. I don't. Seven wasn't enough for me. I kind of had it in my head. I'm like, okay, about eight and a half, nine is is the line that I'm not willing to cross there. But I'm like seven points. I found that at Boyd in town. That's a bet for me. Uh, really, not much more. I think you need to look at. Uh, than how these teams have looked over the, I mean, over the month of July, I got that pulled up right now, but you're talking about uh, the Pelicans, uh, you know, plus 5.2 net net rating. And then you're talking about the Spurs who, uh, let's see, they won one game and minus 15 uh, on their net rating for for the month of November. Uh, it's just, that's just a massive difference in talent. Again, San Antonio dealing with in- injuries right now. Um, looks like McCollum's probably going to be back to uh, back tomorrow for New Orleans. Uh, so that is a bet on for me. Uh, the other two that I bet, uh, another smaller one. I, I laid. I, I'm really chalky tonight uh, for you, JVT. Really chalky. I laid three on the road with the Wizards at the Hornets. Like uh, Hornets dealing with some injuries. This Wizards team, all everybody kind of healthy now. We've seen Porzingis have a couple big games here and there. I I do like kind of the make. I like the makeup of this Wizards team to be a good team this year. Not a great team, but a good team in the Eastern Conference. I do absolutely think they are a playoff team. So I laid three with them. Um, and, and that one, uh, that one is a smaller bet for me. I, I don't really love laying, th- you know, laying points on the road on Friday nights in the NBA. I think it's one of the nights where you do see a bigger uh, home court advantage with the crowds that turn out on a Friday night. Um, and then the one that's a little bit bigger bet for me tomorrow night, I, I laid the points with the Nets. I think Toronto on this road, this longer road trip, they got to get back to uh, Toronto on Saturday for a game. Uh, I think this is a tough spot for them heading into Brooklyn on Friday night. Uh, so I laid the I laid the two and a half with the Nets. You're talking about having Kyrie, having uh, having Kevin Durant there, all those shooters. I know you don't have Ben Simmons, um, but you know Raptors have struggled on the road too this season, three and eight straight up. Um, again, I mentioned what they had to do going back, going back and playing another game on Saturday and in November, Brooklyn's second best net rating. Uh, so that, that, that's a bet I do like tomorrow night laying, I laid two and a half. Want to look, want to leave some money open though, to jump in on them live too, with that tighter spread. You might be able to do that. Toronto gets off to a fast start in that first quarter, jump in live on the nets in the second quarter is a good opportunity. So Laid the points with the Wizards, laid the points with the Pelicans, laid the points with the Nets, JVT. It's pretty chalky, but I like all three of those tomorrow night. Yeah, uh, real quick, the uh, Warriors are going to be on my card again tomorrow, uh, playing them at home against Chicago. Chicago Chicago just, I don't know what their problem is right now, but because they kind of don't have an excuse, right, JVT? Like this is, of all the the excuses they've kind of rightfully had the past year or two, like the team's there right now. Like they need, they should be winning games if they expect to really get it done. I just think this is this is why I played a win total under on them, right? I yep. think they uh, they outkicked their coverage last year. You know, they played a little better than they, than they really were. Uh, Demar Derozan had had an incredible season. I think it's I think it's just unfair to expect what they did last year again this year. And uh, the most fascinating, this is not the only thing, but the, the most fascinating game of the day, which I'll probably be in on, especially there's fives popping up here. Um, Indiana Pacers and Utah Jazz are they're the they're the exact same team. 
Yeah, why, why is Utah? Why is Utah laying five? So no, I, uh, I don't disagree with that. I yep. mean, boy, Indiana's been on the road for a while. I was going to go into Salt Lake. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You could make all those arguments. There's there's yeah. a four and a half at the Westgate. There you go. Uh, so we'll see. But yeah, they're in the midst of a. I think it's a oh, no, seven or six game road you got, trip. You got a five and a half at MGM. There you yep. Go. Oh yeah, baby. MGM's always a little off. Always a little off, depending yeah, on what you I like. like. They're always like a half point. I like it. Yep. Uh, all right, Kelly. Well, it is. Uh, it was good to talk to you. Uh, good end of the week episode. It was a chaotic week for me. So for those who are listening, wondering where's the early week episode? Uh, this is the only week, or it won't be up there. But uh, a little bit of hecticness, uh, some hospital visits, and some sicknesses in the uh, Von Tobel house. But we're back on track, baby. We're there back on track. Life gets in the way, unfortunately. Yeah, sometimes it does. Uh, but for <laughs> Kelly, uh, for myself, please, if you could, like, rate, review, subscribe, as always. And we will talk to you to, uh, earlier next week on Hardwood Handicappers.